This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Nineteen seventy. I don't believe in the acute riptide theory idea. Deep down, I don't think Grandma does either. I tug on my tie as much as I can without someone noticing. I don't want to be disrespectful, but it itches. I'm getting used to it though. This is my eighth time having to wear it this summer, and it's my turn so I push up on my toes to get my head above the empty coffin. I see cards, a stuffed animal, some drawings, and I asked Grandma what I should throw in. I didn't know Maria as well as I knew some of the other kids. She said just throw in something that reminded me of her spirit. So I pull the candy out of my pocket and drop it in and walk away quickly. All the funerals have been like this. Children's coffins with no children inside. And I've only had to go to the funerals for the kids in my class. I asked Grandma if I could stop going, even if the next one is a kid I knew. She says, we'll cross that bridge if it comes. She said this with an angry look on her face. But it wasn't directed at me. She won't admit it to herself, but she thinks that there will be more. Now, I just broke four feet tall this year, so I swim out a little further. I could see all of Morrow Bay, the houses that climb up the hill above the ocean, the towers of the electrical plant, the restaurants, and the tourist section. We don't usually swim near the tourists. It's not because we don't like the tourists, but because that's where all the sea creatures hang out. The seals and birds like the food that the tourists throw at them. The kids at Morrow Bay Elementary General swim here, at the beach near the sea cliffs. Our parents watch us on towels. Usually they read books. But this summer, none of them bring books. They lean forward and watch closely, and somebody's dad is always in the water with us. There are a lot less of us in the water this summer. A lot of my friends' parents won't let them swim any longer. 
and the other reason is that our school only has 200 kids in it. When 20 disappear into the ocean, it feels less crowded. A cute riptide is what most of the parents are calling it. Nobody is allowed to swim out beyond where they could stand anymore. Maria, well, she went too far. The ocean grabbed her and carried her away. Same with Bill, and Gretchen, and Sydney, and Marcus, and Markeisha, and Jordan, and, well, all the other kids I didn't know very well. I'm not as sad as I probably should be. I mean, I did cry the first few times it happened. And Grandma says I don't have to make myself cry, though. That it doesn't make me a bad person. I step a foot further back into the ocean. I could still touch the sand. But as the water rolls back and forth, sometimes my nose slips under the waterline. Grandma has her eye on me. She doesn't want me going any further out. I may, though. The night before Maria's funeral, I finally got the nerve to ask Grandma. She tucked me in and we said our prayers and as she turned off the light I asked, Is it a shark? Grandma paused at the door. I braced myself. I lived by the ocean my whole life. My question is stupid. It's the question a tourist would ask. Oscar, do you remember what I told you about sharks when you were little? I shake my head no. I do remember, but I want her to say it again. They don't like people. They're shy. They're more scared of you than you are of them. But they still get hungry, though, I say. I surprised myself. I didn't think I had the guts to disagree with Grandma about this. Grandma doesn't raise her voice. As a lifelong fisherwoman, she can be loud when she wants to, but she is gentle. Sharks don't like how people taste, and hammerheads especially don't like how people taste. And that's the kind of shark we get up here. And if a hammerhead even nibbled on a human, well, they'd spit it out. It would be like you eating dog food on accident. Again, my boldness surprises me and I reply, but Andrew Infantino eats dog food. Who is Andrew Infantino? Grandma asks. Well, he's in my class. He likes dog food. His mom let him eat it when he was little, and now he likes it. Grandma doesn't respond right away, which is strange. I mean, she always has a response. Instead of answering my question, she asks if I'm sleeping with Frenchie tonight. I say no. Frenchie is sleeping in her chair. Grandma says not to be afraid of sharks, and says goodnight and leaves my bedroom. Grandma doesn't make fun of me for Frenchie, and she doesn't tell anybody either. The kids in my class, especially the boys, would mock me for playing with a baby doll. But Grandma doesn't care, and she's a lot smarter than any of them. I step another foot back. I keep my feet on the sand, but I'm no longer tall enough to keep my face above the water. I hold my breath and I feel my hair wave on the surface. I bob back up when I need to breathe. Grandma is standing now. She is not happy with me. She said she needs to be able to see me. If I do that again, she'll probably take us home. 
Something pushes me hard against my back and I tumble forward. For a moment, fear shoots down my legs. I jerk my head up and see Melanie and hear her laughing. Melanie's a jerk, but I think she has a crush on me. I pretend like she didn't scare me, but she knows she did. Her red hair hangs flat against her face and she wipes her bangs off of her freckles. She pushes me again and asks if I'm scared of her and I say, no, and I swim away. I dislike Melanie, and not just because of this. She's loud and raises her hands first every time during class. She hugs me for way too long, so I don't want to swim with her right now. I dog paddle a yard or two away, and I stop to float. I look up at Grandma. She's standing, but she's not looking at me. She's not even looking at where the kids are swimming, like the other parents. She's looking at the sea cliffs. And I follow her eyes, and I see what she's looking at. She's looking at that yellow house up there, on the top of the cove. We've gone past it on her boat many times, and a man stands by the house. He waves, and Grandma waves back. She waves slowly, though, like she's thinking. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I float on my back and I let the waves rock me. I close my eyes. Once, I almost fell asleep out here. And then I pop my eyes open. I look to my left and right and behind me. There's nobody too close. But the water doesn't feel normal. It feels like it's being stirred. I've spent a lot of my time out here. I know what it feels like when someone approaches you in the water. But nobody's approaching. And I lay still on top of the water. I suddenly feel like it's important that I do not move at all, and the skin on my back gets very cold. The water is not deep here, but I think there is something underneath me. I hold my breath, hoping this feeling will pass very quickly. But my body jerks into standing position when I hear Melanie's mom call out her name, and I know immediately why. Grandma... It's not a riptide. I say on the drive back to our house, Grandma is shaking. I am not. I'm not even crying. I mean, I don't know why. I know it's not, Grandma says. I ask if Melanie's coffin will be empty too. Grandma says it probably will. 
I think it's a shark, Grandma. Grandma slows the car, pulls it to the side of the road, and she looks over at me. Oscar. But her face doesn't match her stern voice, and I look at my lap. Look up at me, she says, and I do. If we only lost one child, then I could understand a shark. A shark can make a mistake. But all of these children, for it to be a shark, it would have had to have learned this hunger. Well, do you think that could happen? We haven't had any reported shark bites in years. Grandma starts the car again. But there's somewhere we need to go first. We drive forward, but we don't turn on our neighborhood street. We keep going up the hill until we're above Morrow Bay, and then Grandma turns down the cliffside road. She drives over the speed limit, and I look at the ocean through the tree line. Melanie is out there somewhere, one way or another. And the car stops in front of the yellow house, the one above the cove. I've never seen it from land before. I look up at Grandma for an explanation. Stay put, Grandma says. She hops out and closes the door very quietly. I watch her walk to the front door of the yellow house, and she looks around her in all directions before she knocks on the door. Like she's scared she'll get in trouble if anyone catches her there. The man opens the door, and I could tell by his pants that it's the same man she waved to at the beach. They speak in whispers, and he opens the door wider so that she could come inside. Grandma looks nervous. So does he. I sit in the car for almost an hour, until another car pulls up beside mine. A teenage girl. I scrunch down in my seat, not wanting her to see me. She's been crying, I could tell. Her face is puffy. Maybe she had heard something about Melanie. Maybe the man who lives there helped with funerals, but I'd never seen him at any of the funerals this summer. The girl in the next car starts to get out, and when she sees me, she gasps, and I shriek, startled, and she quickly gets back into her car and drives away very fast. Her license plate is red. She's from Arizona. We went once, and it's about seven hours away. The noise brings the man in the yellow house to the front door. He looks out at the girl's car as it speeds down the road. I could hear him say a cuss word. Grandma comes up behind him. They say a few more words to each other, eye to eye. Grandma says something that seems to be important. And the man nods. Grandma nods back. Grandma drives us home. It's very, very quiet. I can't even hear her breathing. Why did we go to the yellow house, Grandma? I asked. She doesn't answer. Grandma, who is that man? He's a doctor, Grandma says. A girl parked next to our car for a minute. She was crying. Do you think she was sick? She exhales loudly, saying, Oscar, I'm going to tell you something. Grown up. Okay, but I need to trust you to not talk about it with your friends. Can you do that? I nod. 
Grandma turns the steering wheel as we reach our street. The man in the yellow house is a... Well, he's a special kind of doctor. You see, sometimes girls and women get pregnant. But it would be a bad idea for them to have the baby. Well, why would it be a bad idea to have the baby? I ask. Well, there's a lot of reasons. Grandma answers. Maybe the baby is very sick in the mommy's tummy. Maybe the mommy can't afford to feed the baby when it comes. Maybe the woman got pregnant against her will. And the man in the yellow house helps these women. Well, how? I ask. Well, he makes the women not pregnant anymore. He makes the baby go away. But the government says he isn't allowed to help women like this. So it has to be a secret, okay? You'll keep this secret. Right, Oscar? I nod. I think about Frenchie. Where does he make the baby go then? Grandma parks her car. She lowers her head. Then she raises it. There's the stress in her eyes. And that unnerves me. But her face is determined. Well, I think I know. I'm not asleep when Grandma opens the door to my room. She's very quiet about it. She doesn't want to wake me, so I stay still. I peer at her under my eyelids. Grandma tiptoes to Frenchie's chair, and she picks Frenchie up and carries her out of the room. Grandma doesn't shut the door all the way, so that it won't click. I hear her go downstairs. I hear her rummage around in the kitchen. I don't know what Grandma is doing with Frenchie. I feel antsy, but I don't want to get into trouble either. I slip out of bed and creak my bedroom door open. I tiptoe to the top of the stairs and freeze as Grandma walks across the hall to the garage, holding Frenchie. Well, I scoot backwards, knowing I won't get away with being that visible again. I hear the car door shut, and then Grandma comes back inside and walks towards the mudroom, where she keeps her fishing gear. I hear her fussing with it down there. She's fishing. In the middle of the night. Grandma's not a night owl, and I don't want her to go out onto the ocean alone. I sneak down the stairs and I tiptoe to the door leading into the garage, and I quietly open it. I slip into the dark of the garage and I feel for the car and I find it. I pop open the back door and climb inside. I touch Frenchie immediately, but I resist the urge to hug her. I let her stay where she is on the back seat and I curl up on the floor below her. I'm pretty well hidden for now. Not if Grandma turns the car light on. I reach around for Grandma's beach towel and I find it scrunched up against the other door. I cover myself with it, and then I hear the garage door open and Grandma walk out. I can't see anything hidden under the beach towel, but I could tell two things. Grandma's wearing her fishing boots, and I know that sound. She's carrying a chum bucket. I can hear it rattling on its handle. I hear her set it on the floor of the car, 
passenger side, and then I just hear the sound of her breathing as she turns on the car. We drive for about 15 minutes, and I try to guess where we are, but I don't really recognize the route. We aren't headed to the dock, which is what I expected. Grandma parks. She gets out. She flings open the back door and I stay very still. I think about what my excuse will be when she figures out I'm in here, and I feel her body not far above mine as she grabs Frenchie off of the seat. But she doesn't investigate the towel on the floor. I hear her grab the chum bucket. It clangs above my neck. And then she shuts the door and I hear her walk away. Her footsteps grow quiet and then stop. And then I hear knocking on wood. We're back at the yellow house. And sure enough, I hear a door open and I hear the man's voice and then the door closes again. I wait in the dark and I listen to the wind coming off the ocean, rushing up the cliffs behind the house. I picture the cove. I picture how tall the house looks when you're staring up at it from the water down there. The door to the house opens, and I hear Grandma's boots approach the car again. I hear the bucket. I hold my breath as she puts everything back inside the car. Frenchie? The chum bucket? A new smell fills the car. It's nasty. I try not to gag. The smell of gutted fish doesn't bother me. This is not that smell. I think of Melanie and I cry. I clamp my teeth down on the towel so Grandma won't hear me. I only stop crying when we reach the dock. In the darkness above me, Grandma grabs Frenchie. She grabs the bucket. I tense up, afraid she'll grab the towel too. But she doesn't. She shuts the door and walks away and I know she's heading for her boat. I'll be in so much trouble for doing this, but Grandma should not be out on a boat alone at night. And why did she steal Frenchie? And why did we have to go to the doctor's house? I know what I need to do. I'll wait until I hear the motor start. She'll be facing the sea. She will be untying the last buoy. The motor starts, I get out of the car, and I dash silently down the dock. There she is, facing west, the moon illuminating her shape. She holds my doll in one hand, the bucket in the other. I wait for the boat to rock backwards, to cover the impact of my getting on board, and then I climb gently into the rear of the boat. I slip under the rear bench, and Grandma sets the bucket down a few feet in front of me, and we pull away from the land. I peer around the boat and I realize that she didn't bring any of her fishing gear. I've heard of grown-ups becoming so sad that they drive their boats out to sea and never return. The thought of grandma doing this makes my eyes tear up again. She steers us along the shore and we pass the beach. We go over the water where Melanie probably died and then we approach the cliffs. We head towards the yellow house. She takes us all the way into the cove below the yellow house, and then she stands right above me, and I curl my fingers so tight so that she wouldn't step on them, and she kills the engine. Grandma walks back to the front of the boat. She stands still for a moment, and I breathe through my nose, 
and then she empties the chum bucket into the sea. I smell it again. I smell it a lot. Whatever she had in that bucket, it's not any chum that I know of. It's something that doctor gave her. Grandma turns away, and I stay as still as I can. She grabs Frenchie and she drops Frenchie into the water. I try not to gasp aloud. Frenchie bobs along the side of the boat. She floats towards me and Grandma watches her go. I bite my bottom lip. Why would she do that? Frenchie's my favorite. I take care of her. And I stand up in the boat, as high as I dare, and I reach out my hand to grab Frenchie back. But Grandma sees me, and the sight of me frightens her, and she screams, and the boat rocks, and I reach for Frenchie, and I fall. I fall out of the boat. I clutch Frenchie to my chest as my head goes under the water. I'm a very good swimmer. Being in the water, even at night, doesn't scare me. But as my head breaches the surface again, I know that I should not be in the water right now. I see Grandma's shape against the moonlight hunched over in the boat, and she yells at me with a fear in her voice that I have never heard before. Get the fuck back in the boat! And the skin of my back goes cold again. I no longer wish to swim. I no longer wish for this moment to be real. And so I stay where I am. And I just paddle with my feet. That's all I want to do right now, just paddle with my feet. Like in my swim classes when I was very little. And I feel something brush my cheek in the water. And I could tell from the smell that it's the chum. I close my mouth tight so that it won't drift inside, and I hear another splash. Grandma's in the water with me, her arms wrapped around me in the dark, and I stop paddling with my feet. I hang on to Frenchie, and Grandma hangs on to me, and she pulls us around to the back of the boat. I make no sounds as Grandma frantically unlatches the ladder from the back of the boat. The water below us is stirring, perhaps... Four feet below. I look downwards as Grandma jerks the ladder loose, and I could see nothing through the commotion on the surface, but I can feel it. There's a new current. It jerks left, then right. Grandma? I say, and she clutches the ladder and hoists me into the air, and suddenly my entire body is raised above the water, and I feel newly cold and wet and I see my arms in the moonlight wrapped around my doll. I look at Frenchie. Her head, it's on backwards. Grandma took Frenchie's head off, put it back on, she must have. This is the thought I have as the teeth pierce my lingering ankle, and I fly downwards, out of the night air, out of Grandma's hands and under the water, and I soar into the dark, I feel no pain, just terror. Sudden, howling terror. My hair grasps upwards towards the surface. I hold Frenchie. I'll keep her safe, and we fly away from the boat, from the cove. The dorsal fin rises up against my face, close enough that I can make it out in the blackening water, and I close my eyes. The teeth release my foot, 
The water swirls around me. I clutch Frenchie harder, and as I tighten my arms, barbs enter their skin. All up and down them, and now I feel the pain. It's like a hot metal ink pen drawing a line across me. I feel my forearms leave my body, and with them, Frenchie, and the thrashing continues and the water gets suddenly warm around me. It smacks into me again. Its skin is like moss. And then I feel nothing. Nothing near me, nothing against me, nothing eating me. And I'm almost out of breath anyway and wonder if Melanie will be there when I'm dead. But I kick. I paddle with my feet and the water brightens a little. I paddle more and I reach the surface. I'm out to sea, but I could see the light from the yellow house in the distance. And so I scream, and an engine roars, and I kick my feet to stay upright. A wave sweeps me forward, but I stay up. And then Grandma's there, and suddenly, I'm back in the boat, and we drive away. My classmates visit me in the hospital. One of them calls me Two Hooks, and I like it, and it sticks. Grandma learns to sleep upright in a chair. She never leaves my hospital room. Not once. And no more kids disappear this summer. Melanie is the last. It may not be dead. Whatever poison Grandma put inside Frenchie, it may not have been enough to kill it. But it was enough to put it off the taste. This comforts me, but only a little. After all, even I'm going to swim again. Once enough time passes.